Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Gridiron Goliath solo pod with Marco Cirillo. It is Super Bowl week. We are going to be diving into all things Super Bowl, tale of the tape, best bets, everything you could possibly imagine, head coaching matchups top to bottom. We'll also be getting into the latest news around the league as always. But first, I'd like to mention that this is brought to you by Fanatics.com, officially licensed gear from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and whatever else you may need. Click the link below in the description and enjoy discounts site-wise on Fanatics.com. All right, so let's dive right into the tail of the tape here with Super Bowl 57, the whole reason the game is played. When looking up and down these two rosters, it is striking how few advantages the Kansas City Chiefs have in this game. Uh, the Eagles have better receivers by far. They have a better stable of running backs. They have the best offensive line in football, arguably the best defensive line in football, if not two, the best secondary in football. Uh, The team is stacked top to bottom. There's no other way to put it. It, Frankly, it's incredible that they lost as many games as they did. And that's really only because Hertz got injured and they took the commanders way too lightly. Um, this roster is terrifying. And yet, the odds of the game are even. And there's several people that believe the Chiefs should be favorited. The reason for that being the disparity in quarterback, which is crazy to say because Jalen Hurts is everybody's number two for MVP this year. There is such a delta between the two quarterbacks. If you were looking on the site, you just saw my piece on Mahomes saying that we need to appreciate how great he is. Feel free to read it. I could gush all day about why Patrick Mahomes is as good as he is. I won't belabor it. I'm simply going to say the Chiefs have the better coach. The Chiefs have the better quarterback. And that's the reason that this game is considered close by Vegas and by fans. It should be amazing, especially if most of the Chiefs receivers can be healthy. If Travis Kelsey's fully healthy, which it seems like he is. And of course, if Mahomes' ankle is healed, which he played a fine game against the Bengals. Not the best game he's ever played, but more than quality enough for them to beat the second best team in the AFC. The Eagles, on the other hand, while their roster is amazing, this just isn't that battle-tested a team. You beat my New York Giants, who frankly, I love what they did this season. They're not a playoff contender, Super Bowl contending team yet. So they got the Giants at home coming off of the biggest win the franchise has had. In 10 years. Then you get the 49ers where Purdy was able to throw three passes and Josh Johnson, shout out to Josh Johnson, just somehow keeps getting snaps every year, had to come in to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. The 
Just the odds were absolutely insurmountable. And then he gets concussed too, by the way. The whole second half, the 49ers can't throw the ball. Who have the Eagles really beaten? The Cowboys? Name someone else. They beat the Cowboys. So while the Eagles roster is amazing, Sirianni has done an excellent job, although I can't stand him. And I'm not going to hide my bias here. I can't stand Nick Sirianni. The fact remains, the Eagles haven't played anyone like the Chiefs. One, because there is no one like the Chiefs. And two, there there wasn't an elite offense on their schedule. So we'll see how they react. Andy Reid's going to have two weeks to come up with a game plan for this one. The Chiefs' offensive line is much better than the line that they had going into their last appearance where Mahomes faced more pressure than any QB ever has in a Super Bowl. As much as my gut is telling me Philly is a more talented roster that has dominated more throughout this season, the two most important components of winning in today's NFL are quarterback and coach. And the Chiefs win in both of those categories. The Eagles win everywhere else. So it should be one hell of a game. I just think with as much talent as the Eagles have, that they should win this game, but they won't because the coach and the quarterback of the Chiefs can overcome pretty much any odds in front of them. So, my final score is 28-27 Kansas City. But it's an absolute coin flip. The Eagles roster is better, but the Chiefs will win this game. Continuing on, we have Super Bowl best bets here. All odds on this are via Caesar Sportsbook, and this is as of 11 p.m. on February 7th. So if odds have changed, I apologize. But some of these I just think are absolute smash hits. I don't see how some of them miss. So let's dive right into it. First bet is Chiefs over 24 and a half points right now that's actually at even odds on Caesars and DraftKings Sportsbook even odds the Chiefs only failed to reach 25 points five times the entire season they averaged 29.2 to get them at even odds to outscore 24 and a half In a Super Bowl game that I believe they're going to have a dynamite game plan for, just seems like the easiest possible hit in the world to me. The Eagles haven't played an offense like them all year. They'll get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick, assuming everybody's healthy, which it seems like they are, outside of Mecole Hardman. You're going to have your full plethora of options. They'll design plays for Pacheco, Tony, obviously get Kelsey out in space. Because the one place you can really attack this Eagles team is their linebackers. So Kelsey should see plenty of opportunity. I just think the Chiefs offense matches up well enough with this defense. With Mahomes having the ability to get the ball out 
quick and possibly get some chunk plays from that. Andy Reid will get creative with the screen game. I just see this offense running on full cylinder this weekend, and I don't see 24.5 as a high enough line at all. I would have put them at 26, 27, then you're running into some issue. 24.5 at even odds. For Patrick Mahomes, you'll almost never see that, and it's one that you have to take advantage of. Um, best bet number two, Jalen Hurts is plus 112 anytime touchdown scorer. Plus odds for a guy that was one shy of tying the all-time record for rushing TDs by a QB in a single season. That was Cam Newton in 2011 with 14. He had 13 in the regular season. Since then, he's scored in both playoff games. We're talking 15 total touchdowns. Plus odds for a guy that averages almost a touchdown a game to score a touchdown. If they get inside the three, they're doing a designed run to Hurts. So plus odds for any time TD for Jalen Hurts is an absolute smash. I don't know how you don't play that bet. Again, this is as of Thursday night on Caesar Sportsbook. The fact remains, you have to hit that bet anytime TD at plus odds. I would have had him well in the minus, minus 170, 180. Um, I think Vegas is going to eat a lot of crow on that. I don't understand that line at all. And one of my favorite bets is Chris Jones to not record a sack. That's at plus 110 on Caesar Sportsbook. Chris Jones, while an amazing all-pro player, might be the best interior defense lineman in football. Dexter Lawrence might have a thing to say about that. Chris Jones is phenomenal. Last week, he got his first ever career postseason sack. He had two of them. He was playing the worst offensive line in football the past couple of years, in my opinion, in the Bengals. Credit to Joe Burrow for storm weathering that storm. But Chris Jones is now going up against the best offensive line in the game, namely all-pro Jason Kelsey, who we all know with the whole Kelsey bro narrative is playing with a little bit of extra juice. He'll likely be doubled because of how impactful he'll be. The Eagles don't give up a lot of sacks. And you have plus odds here betting against that. I think that's an absolute no-brainer. The guy's never done it before, and now he has to try to do it in the biggest game against the hardest competition. I don't think that it happens. I think that plus 110 odds are crazy for something that is frankly rare for Chris Jones. So that one, no-brainer to me, plus 110 Chris Jones to not get a sack, plus 112 for Jalen Hurts anytime TD, and over 24.5 points for the Chiefs at even odds. I will never at any point in time, and I want to make this very clear, provide a bet at minus odds. Anyone can pick that. You guys are more than capable of picking a minus odds bet that will likely hit. I'm not in the business of doing that. Every single bet that I ever give on this show 
will be at plus odds. So those are my three bets. Chris Jones, no sack. Jalen Hurts, anytime TD. Chiefs over 24 and a half. Lock it in, parlay it, do whatever you want. They're hitting. All right. So there was something discussed on Pat McAfee's show yesterday that I'm sure everybody's heard at this point, but I still need to touch on it. I said a week ago that the New York Jets absolutely, if he's available, need to go after Aaron Rodgers. Just, I, the guy is a mess. Now he's going on four-day-long darkness retreats where he's going to lock himself in a little hovel and barely eat and not be able to see anything for days because he thinks he's going to have some profound experience. Like, the guy is nuts. And I really don't know if a guy that crazy can handle everything that comes with being on the New York Jets. I just don't know if that's in his makeup. Maybe Green Bay, Wisconsin has been the perfect place for him this whole time. He's always been in the national media. I am not saying that, but the New York media is an entirely different beast. Any player ever will tell you that. You can't go on darkness retreats when you're going to be plastered on the New York Post every single day. It's just, it's not something that you can do. You can't be gallivanting with Blue of Earth while your team's at training camp. I, I don't know where his head is. Maybe he just comes out of the darkness and retires. We have no idea. He's in the darkness now. So when he comes out of the darkness, it might be over. Who knows? If I'm Jets fans, a week ago you were excited about this, but then you remember the harsh reality that the guy is nuts. He's a wacko. So I don't know how Jets fans are feeling about this. Aaron Rodgers doesn't know how Aaron Rodgers is feeling about it. And the Packers have to be happy to finally just be putting an end to this saga. They haven't won a Super Bowl with him in well over a decade. They've been competitive. They've had fun seasons. But at the end of the day, if you look at the Aaron Rodgers era and what it could have been in Green Bay, despite the MVPs, it's a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, really, even dating back to Favre, you have elite quarterback play for literally, this is not an exaggeration, 30 years and come away with two championships. Some teams would kill for two championships, but most teams don't have 30 straight years of elite quarterback play. Overall, to me, that's a failure. They did not accomplish what they were supposed to. So I'm sure they're happy to be closing the book on this finally because the last four years for them have been torturous. And maybe even before that, regardless of some of the successes they had on the field, they didn't get the job done and they had to deal with this nut job. All of this to say, I don't know whether or not the Jets can make that move confidently. You're taking on a $50 million salary. Granted, all you need is league average QB play to be competitive. Does it break the chemistry of the locker room? That seems like a very put together locker room. 
does he mesh well with the New York media? Now there are so many question marks with Aaron Rodgers that have always been there, but he always does something, just a little thing, to make you think about it again, to remind you that Aaron is about Aaron, and that can really hurt a locker room that isn't accustomed to it. We'll see what the Jets do. Hopefully Aaron finds his sanity in the darkness. That would be great. Frankly, I don't think he does. I got I got to know who these friends of his are that told him, "Yeah, you got to go on this retreat, man. You got to do it. Whether you win the Super Bowl or not, it's going to change your life going on this retreat." I mean, my guy, you're making $50 million a year just off of your football contract. Like, who are you surrounding yourself with that you're constantly doing all this weird voodoo garbage, just whatever the hell it is he's doing out there? I personally am not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, in case that wasn't made abundantly clear. He's an amazing football player, one of the best talents we've ever seen. But my God, I just don't know how an organization puts up with him long term, especially when you're not winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl. And he's going on interviews saying he's more focused on the MVP. He did go on to say that there's no point of playing if you can't compete for a championship. He brought up the MVP first. So... Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if it's the best move for the Jets to pursue it, given the cost and the headache that goes along with it. Although I do think it instantly puts them as a Super Bowl contender. You take the good with the bad. You need to win in two years, though. You you don't have the luxury of waiting. It has to be an all-in thing if you make that move. That's all I'm going to say on Aaron Rodgers going dark. I hope he finds his way out of the darkness and we get to see more of him playing football and hear less of him off the field because I'm just sick of the Rodgers nonsense that constantly happens every single offseason. Just please play football because we love watching you do that. Bill Belichick joined Tom Brady's Let's Go podcast this week and basically... It was kind of a gush piece on Brady. Um, Belichick went on to say that what made Brady special was his vision, that the two had an amazing relationship in the film room because Belichick learned more about coaching through a quarterback's eyes because he went into great detail. And this part of the interview was awesome if you haven't seen it. But he went into great detail about how Tom Brady could see a play and instantly analyze nine different aspects of it, which was something that Belichick had never seen before. So he realized that he now needed to coach through the quarterback's eyes and take what Tom was seeing to adjust accordingly. No one can question the working relationship between Brady and Belichick. The proof is in the pudding. You win six championships together, obviously, you know how to make it work. I still don't think that they like each other all that much. Um, You know, they made it a point to do this right after Brady retired. Belichick happens to come on the show. 
They try to make it like the media created this rift between them that didn't exist. Belichick wanted to replace Brady in 2016. Maybe even a little earlier when he drafted Garoppolo in 2014. The two did not get along from that point on. And that was made very public. It's not a secret. So I just felt like it was very disingenuous for them to get on this podcast and make it like the media created some rift that wasn't there. It was very clearly there. Robert Kraft forced Bill Belichick to keep Tom Brady. And then Brady was openly upset by the lack of moves that were being made to improve the team, especially in 2018 when they won the Super Bowl anyway, in 2019. There is a legitimate beef here. It's not something that the media created, but it is smart of them to use Brady's own forum to completely control the narrative to say, yeah, we don't have this issue with each other. We're happy with how things ended. And yeah, I'm sure they could still be amicable. But there were very real periods of disdain between these two. Belichick refused to let Brady's trainer in with the team staff. That bothered Brady tremendously, which he said himself in the Man in the Arena documentary. So to come back around to it, And say, no, we never had an issue. That was all the media. That was all outside noise. It's disingenuous. Just be honest. Let's discuss it as it was. It's no big deal. You were tremendously successful. Why does every narrative around Tom Brady need to be perfect? It needs to be this, that, and the other. You had issues. You still managed to be successful in spite of that. If anything, that's a better story to me. Then, oh, we never had a problem. The media created that, you know, nothing but love between me and coach. That's simply not true. So don't try to spin your own yarn now that you're retired. That way you don't have to answer questions about it later. And by the way, I think that's a good strategy, to be fair to them. But this was very clearly designed to where they can just say, we already discussed it on the podcast. Just go listen to the podcast. And it was brilliant to do it this week leading into 80 for Brady. You know, him announcing the retirement leading into it. It was all very smart. But enough now. You had legitimate beef. It's been well documented. We already know about it. And you're still going to get asked about it and have to point to the podcast. So it didn't really do anything for me. But some points of the interview were really cool when they were strictly discussing football That was some enjoyable content. Highly recommend listening to it. But they both came off as kind of like frauds. I'll just leave it at that on that subject. Moving on to the news the other day that there has been significant deterioration in the relationship between John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and Jimmy Garoppolo. I have a theory. It was reported far and wide when Garoppolo was hurt that his expected time frame for return would be the NFC divisional round, the latest, the NFC championship. Once the playoffs started, the 49ers made a grave PR error. They said outright, even if Jimmy G is healthy, Brock Purdy will be the starter. If you're Jimmy G and you know you're likely leaving anyway, 
why wouldn't you hold yourself out of those games to be a backup to Mr. Irrelevant? Why would you risk further injuring yourself for a team that has already made it abundantly clear they will use and abuse you and throw you out when they're done? I think that Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy going into the NFC Championship game. And I think he made the conscious and right decision, honestly, to hold himself out of that because he didn't want to back up Brock Purdy. For a team that has done nothing but talk about how willing they are to get rid of him time and time and time again. Every report said that Jimmy Garoppolo would be ready for the NFC Divisional Round should the Niners make it there. Every single report, the second he got hurt. And even weeks after that, Jim, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo will be ready. Who knows what would have happened if Garoppolo, who again, by all accounts, should have been prepared to play that game, ends up backing up Brock Purdy, and then all of a sudden you have a competent quarterback in for that football game. I think the Niners made a huge mistake announcing a starter while Jimmy G was still rehabbing. And my only basis for it is the information that we had prior to it. Obviously, I'm not a 49ers insider by any means. But there is something to be said about the fact that Brock Purdy starts that game with Josh Johnson as a backup instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Brock Purdy goes down And now all of a sudden the game's over before it really has a chance to start. And then a week later we hear a report about the deterioration between the relationship of coach, GM, and quarterback. It's very fascinating to me. It's kind of getting pushed down in the news cycle because you had the Brady retirement. You obviously have the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. It's getting pushed down a bit, but... Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be healthy for these playoffs. And for whatever reason, no setback or anything of that sort was announced. Um, The guy just ended up not being on the roster to play. And I do think that that was a choice by Jimmy G. It, It can absolutely be incorrect. Maybe he did suffer a setback that they didn't report. But the timing of the reports leads me to believe that he made the conscious choice to not be playing in that game. And I don't blame him at all. The 49ers have abused him. They don't deserve his services in that spot after they've consistently made it a point that they no longer want him there. But something not getting talked about a lot that I feel is extremely Interesting, And we'll see where Jimmy Garoppolo ends up from here. All right. So if you're subscribed to the newsletter on the website, then you're familiar with the NFL concussion report that came out this past week and my take on it. I don't believe that it's getting discussed enough because we want to ignore it. It's Super Bowl week. The fact of the matter is that is a huge, huge problem for the NFL. I mean, 18% increase in concussions, mainly to the guys making the least amount of money, has another class action lawsuit written all over it 10 years down the line. 
They need to figure this out instantly. They need to show a concerted effort, however they do it, every single year to reduce the concussions if they can. I think the fact that coaches are smarter than the rules has a huge, huge play into this. There are just too many ways around those rules on kickoffs and punts. And I love those plays as much as anybody else. But it's right there in front of your face. The fact of the matter is touchbacks are down a tremendous amount. And now defenders have less ground to cover before they're popping a returner. Absolutely decimating him right at the point of contact. And it's a brilliant strategy by coaches. It's what they should be doing. Okay, you're going to give us an extra five yards closer to the returner where our guys can get down there and crack him as soon as humanly possible. Great. Thanks. Kickers, just put as much hang time as you can. Get it inside the 10 and we'll worry about the rest of it. That rule change worked for a year maybe. And now coaches have already picked up on it. Touchback at the 25 doesn't make any competitive sense for them. And kicking it off five yards ahead now and being able to put more hang time on the ball. It's just good football to do that. But it's horrible for the health and safety of the players, which is the entire reason that the rule exists to begin with. The NFL said themselves it's disproportionate the number of special teams plays and special teams concussions. And by the way, those guys aren't making $50 million a year. They're making maybe one before taxes. Gross. So the NFL has a huge problem on its hands if those numbers keep going up and if they don't make changes to these kickoffs. And I don't know exactly what you can do. Again, the game is just violent by nature. Everyone knows that when they sign up for it. That doesn't mean that they're signing up to not be able to do basic human functions by the time they're 50 because they didn't make enough playing special teams for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something needs to be done here. And I don't know exactly what they can do. I'm not a doctor, but they need to put all the great minds that they can together to come up with something because they're going to run into a lot a lot of problems if they don't. Just so we're all on the same page here, I'm not talking about the Indianapolis Colts today. I'm not doing it. Jim Irsay tweeted. It was a dumb tweet. I feel bad for Colts fans. I'm leaving it at that. I'm not talking about them. The Cardinals will discuss when they finally do pick a head coach. It looks like it's between Lou Anarumo and Mike Kafka. As a Giants fan, I hope it's Anarumo. He's an older guy, and I feel like that makes sense for a team that's transitioning. Um, Kafka can't fix the problems that they have, and Rumo probably can't fix the problems that they have. But a defensive coach is probably a better fit for a team in that situation, given that they can at least stay close and competitive in these games while Kyler Murray's recovering. Um I hate both of those situations for head coaches. They're the only vacancies left. So we'll see what happens. Um, Moving on to some defense coordinator hires, though. You have Flores going to the Vikings, which despite the fact that he's suing my Giants, Flores is a fantastic defense coordinator. 
And the Vikings desperately, desperately needed that after they fired Donatel, which is a great move. Flores to the Vikings, love that. Niners getting Wilkes as their defense coordinator, to me, is one of the biggest steals of this coaching cycle. Uh, Wilkes is just tremendously underrated, has been for a long time, and he'll absolutely get the best out of those linebackers in San Francisco. Love that move. I don't think the Niners defense is going to miss a beat next year. As great as D'Amico Ryans was, I think Steve Wilkes could be even better, and we've seen him do very well. I like that move a lot. And then the Titans promoting Tim Kelly from within to be their offensive coordinator. Not crazy about it. Their offense is kind of stagnant, as is. And when you just promote from within, you're not really doing anything to make a splash. Not crazy about that move at all. We'll see what happens. Mike Vrabel's a great head coach, so the Titans will figure it out. I just don't know if Tim Kelly's the guy to make that offense really hum. Reports are coming out of Washington that the commanders are very non-committal about picking up the option for Chase Young. Rookie option. I wrote several years ago now, right in the heart of the pandemic, pre-draft, that Chase Young is just Jadavion Clowney. I got so much backlash from every single person that saw this, that I sent it to. Every single person said, you're crazy. The guy's a beast. He's not Jadavion Clowney. He's Jadavion Clowney. He can make plays. He does have solid athletic capabilities. And he's often injured. He's injured all the time. So now you're at a point you're not even committing to picking up the fifth-year option. Not to pat myself on the back, but I'm patting myself on the back. That was the perfect comp. That's what Chase Young is. To make it like he was the next generational pass rusher that was going to revolutionize the league was asinine. We're seeing it firsthand. His rookie season was good. Not as great as it was blown up to be. It was good. And it should be good when you're playing with first-round picks all along the defensive line. Chase Young is one of the most overrated players in the past five years. And it's nice that Ron Rivera sees that as a fact. To be noncommittal about picking up a fifth-year option on what's supposed to be a premier edge rusher basically means you don't believe the guy has what it takes or you don't believe he can stay healthy or both. Chase Young, overrated player, been saying it for a while. I'll keep saying it. That's one that I'm proud of. So as we've all heard, Derek Carr is visiting with the Saints. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize how quickly this deal has to materialize for the Raiders. If they do not have a deal in place by the end of the day, Tuesday, that $40 million has to get paid to Carr by the Raiders. That's a really tough pill to swallow for a team that has made it very clear that Derek Carr is not in their future. So this deal needs to materialize quickly. 
They already are moving forward with the Saints as far as talks go. And Derek Carr visited, so he's obviously open to waiving his no-trade clause to be there. There's definitely a few other candidates that I could think of. Carolina, if Frank Reich wants to do that, I don't think he should. Um, but ultimately, this needs to happen quickly. So we'll definitely begin updates on the Derek Carr front sooner rather than later. Not going to touch too much on it. I don't think anybody finds it all that interesting. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I, I mean, he could play to top 12 potential, but we know what Derek Carr is. Maybe the Jets can make a move for him if they don't want to go the Rodgers route or if he has an epiphany that he's not playing anymore. That remains to be seen. The Jets could opt to go for Carr, but it's not all that enticing an option. So we'll see what happens with that situation. He'd make the Jets competitive. He'd help the Panthers early on, but that cap hits massive. So Carr, not the most enticing option out there. There will be suitors. Maybe the commanders go for it. Although Rivera seems pretty set on letting Howell be the guy to beat going into camp, by all reports. Um, That's all I'm going to touch on Derek Carr. The guy is a good quarterback that can make a great team a contender. But he's not going to make a middling team great. That's just not in his DNA. It's not who he is. So... That's all on Derek Carr. We'll see what happens there. Moving on just into some final thoughts on the Super Bowl. As you know, my score prediction, 28 Chiefs, 27 Eagles. Should the Chiefs win this game? I think you have to put Andy Reid as a top five coach ever. And there's an argument to be made for a few guys that have maybe won a few more championships But just consistent greatness, always having one of the best offenses in football, always being willing to change with the times despite age, Uh, the clever play calling, the relationships built with these players, they're all obsessed with playing for Andy Reid. I think this puts him in the top five. He walks away as a two-time Super Bowl champ, and he there's no indication that he's going to stop. He's an older guy, but he loves doing what he does. So two-time Super Bowl champ Andy Reid at the end of this, to me, solidifies him, along with obviously his career-winning percentage, number of wins, the amount of times his offense has been top of the league. To me, that cements him as a top-five coach all-time. As far as Patrick Mahomes, I think the guy who's already a Hall of Famer, debate a wall, The guy has two MVP awards, or will, by Saturday night. No player in the history of the National Football League has ever had two MVP awards and not made the Hall of Fame. To me, the guy's already a Hall of Famer. You couple in two Super Bowl wins in his first five years, two Super Bowl MVPs, all of a sudden, a long, long time left in his career, But you're talking about a guy that could potentially reach GOAT status. I mean, he is that outstanding a player. You could go to gridirongoliath.com to read the article that I wrote on this. The guy is absolutely incredible. 
we need to appreciate that. Already a Hall of Famer and could just keep adding to it. Hasn't missed an AFC championship yet in five years as a starter. It's just incredible. As for the Eagles, I believe that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback that had an outstanding year. You win the Super Bowl, maybe pick up the Super Bowl MVP, the whole perception of you as a player changes. I hate that I have to say this. I like Jalen Hurts as a guy. I don't know how you root against him, except for the fact that he's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Class act, does nothing but produce and what's asked of him. Excellent with his legs, good enough with deep ball. Um, the guy is a true quarterback in this league. I don't think he's part of the elites yet, but that doesn't matter once you're winning. Winning changes everything. The whole narrative around your career changes by winning this game. I don't think they're going to get it done. I think it's a coin flip based on the one point margin that I have, but A lot of respect to Jalen Hurts for the season that he had. I hope he doesn't continue having too much success in Philadelphia. I hope they're dumb enough to let him go. But good for Jalen Hurts. I don't like Nick Sirianni, but he's done a good job coaching this team. And as much as I'd love to agree with Julian Love that he's on for a free ride, he was handed an excellent roster by Howie Roseman. Great job by one of the best GMs in the league. But you still have to go win the games. We've seen many a great roster. Not even We saw the 2009 Chargers have the number one offense, number one defense, and miss the playoffs. So we have seen some great rosters just not live up to what they're supposed to do. He has them in the Super Bowl. Regardless of level of talent that they've gone against, regardless of circumstance, they were the number one seed of the National Football Conference, And they're in the Super Bowl. He deserves his flowers for that. I hope he loses. I think they will lose, despite having the better roster, because I do think Andy Reid is that much better a coach. I think Patrick Mahomes is that much better a quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But you have to give the Eagles their flowers. It's been pretty impressive what they've been able to do. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm sure everybody else is. It should be one of the best ones that we've seen in a while given how evenly matched these teams are. And enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We will get back to you next week. Remember to click the link below if you want gear from fanatics.com. Like, subscribe, comment. Always open to debate. I know I may have said some controversial things during this pod, so I'd love to talk to you guys about it. You have an excellent day, and looking forward to speaking with you next week. Go Chiefs this weekend.